Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Friends, I am so excited that you have tuned in virtually to be here with us at all together at Second Ponce. My friends, we are going to continue our discussion about worrying. What it means to worry. How do we combat worrying? Last week, in fact, we discussed there's no need to worry about our future. Why? Because God knows and God holds the future. So you go to God about your worry. However, today we're going to dig a bit deeper into this toxic habit of worrying, discussing what do you do when you're worried about life changing? What do you do when you're worried about life changing? Friends, the only constant in our lives is change. Around us is a constant state of change. There's constant growth around us. Grass grows. Hair sometimes grows. Even people grow. Change also occurs mentally as people change their minds. Sometimes people even change their habits. People change their connections. Change even occurs physically. As people die, babies are born, and people get older. Change often happens even spiritually as beliefs fluctuate and people become enlightened by a particular belief system or not. Face it, my brothers and sisters, we live in a constant state of change. Yet many of us have absolutely no clue as to how to deal with the changes that occur. We wish that change would not happen. Parents wish that kids would not get older. Adults wish that parents would not transition. Young adults wish that life was simpler, but changes continue to occur. Change to many of us is an enemy to our peace. And it leads us into the grand state and location of worrying. We worry about life changes instead of adapting and trusting that God is capable and able to lead us to and through life change. But with changes, there is going to be some growing pain. You see, the old quote is true that no pain, no gain. Life changes will occur, but as we will notice today from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, we do not have to face these changes alone. God is right there. And so yet today it's in 1 Peter chapter 3 where we will camp out. And we're going to see today that through Peter's words, we will lift out of the text some key principles that we all need to apply. It doesn't matter if people are transitioning. It doesn't matter if riots are happening. It doesn't matter if you are worried about your future. When life does in fact change, if you apply these key principles from the text, you will be able to cope with the change. And so my friends, I lift up the 
first principle for us. We dive straight into deep water. And Peter tells us this, that when you're experiencing life change, learn to keep Christ dear and do not fear. I promise I'm not that eloquent, nor did I make this up. It's right here in the text in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verses 14 through 15. Peter said this. Peter, in essence, is telling us that God is good even when life is not. You have to understand that life will not always be a leap through the lilies and a walk observing willows. Life will change in great and horrible ways. You see, life at this moment has changed immensely for these believers in the text. These believers are scattered abroad and they've been driven out of Jerusalem at this time, away from their homes, away from their normalcy of life, simply because why? They chose to believe in Jesus. These believers are crushed. They're devastated. They're overwhelmed at this time. Life has changed for them. But you have to understand the person writing to them knows all about change because my brother Peter has been beaten. My brother Peter has been threatened. My brother Peter has even been in jail due to his belief in Christ. So Peter tells them, I'm not telling you what I don't know. I'm telling you what I do know. And he encourages these scattered believers beginning at verse 14 of chapter 3 saying, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be ready and prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In the midst of ongoing life changes, persecution, the unhealthy ripping and tearing a part of life as they know it. Peter tells them, you keep Christ near and do not fear. Peter's telling these believers that in the midst of all these life changes, focus on Jesus. Jesus is the reason for your hope. And if someone asks you how in the world could you remain hopeful in the midst of chaos, you point them to Jesus with gentleness and respect. Peter reminds these believers who possibly may feel deflated and devastated or depressed that their hope is in Christ, not in things. But I'm not trying to tell you something that's just so easy to do. This is quite hard to trust God and what he did through Jesus' sacrifice, keeping Christ near and not fearing, my friends, that is challenging. And as I think about this challenge, I want to tell you that we as people try all sorts of things and ways to solve our problem. I'm reminded of a, a lady who lost her husband. And then when she lost her husband, she became quite lonely. And so to cure her loneliness, she said, I will go and buy a parakeet because when the parakeet speaks and talks, it'll keep me company. She went and bought the parakeet from the pet store. And as she got the parakeet home, however, the parakeet did not say a word. She went back to the pet store explaining her problem. They said, okay, well, what you need to do is buy this mirror. You put the mirror inside of the cage. When the parakeet sees itself, it will begin to speak. She did it, put the mirror right there in the cage. The parakeet didn't say a word. She went right back to her car and went to the 
pet store yet again explaining her problem. They said, okay, we've heard of this before. Instead of a mirror, this time buy a swing because when the parakeet gets on the swing, it'll go back and forth and begin to speak. She put the swing inside of the cage. The parakeet got on the swing, swung back and forth, but did not say a mumbling word. She cranked up her car again, went right back to the pet store. This time she was angry, saw the first pet store associate and said, I bought a swing, I bought a mirror, my parakeet won't speak. Come on and talk to me. What do I need to do? They say, go to aisle seven. There's a ladder there. Once you buy a small miniature ladder, you put it inside of this great cage. The parakeet will walk up and down the ladder. And when it walks up and down the ladder, it will begin to speak. Well, she did it. She put the ladder inside of the cage. The parakeet walked up and down the ladder but did not speak. She went to bed for the night in frustration. And when she got up the next morning, she looked directly at the cage and the parakeet fell over and said, do they not have any food here? You see, what's interesting here is that this lady who was in her loneliness bought all type of other things instead of buying the food that would provide nourishment for the parakeet. And and likewise, friends, we do the same thing. Peter is encouraging us to not get so caught up in buying into worry, not get so caught up into five ways to make it, not get so caught up in five ways to alleviate your problem. But instead, Peter is saying to these scattered believers as well as us, you've got to go to Christ when you are in chaos. You've got to go to Christ when you have a problem. You've got to go to Christ when you are in the midst of a challenge. Why? Because God, through Jesus Christ, Christ is the only solution to our problem. Friends, don't spend your life buying into all of the gimmicks. Go to God. Keep Christ near. Do not fear. But yet Peter tells us also in verses 16 through 17, he leads us directly into our second principle that after you've kept Christ near continually and are not fearing, you must then maintain good morals. Peter says in verses 16 through 17, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I like the way Marcus Aurelius once said, waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be. Instead, be one. You see, Peter empathizes greatly with the severe life changes of these believers at this time. He understands that they have been ran out of Jerusalem and are scattered abroad, but yet he tells them that even though you've had a lot of pain, even though there's been a lot of crushing, even though there's been a lot of havoc just wreaked on you, don't return evil for evil. Oh, come a little closer, my friends, because if we stop right now and survey society, is that not where we are right now? Where we can choose to wallow in evilness going back and forth amongst ethnic groups about who can be the most evil to each other. Or we can cry out and say, God, help us to learn how to live reconciled with each other. God, help us to put an end to police brutality. God, help us to put an end to the injustices of this world. Instead of us returning evil for evil, if we're going to say that 
that we have belief in Jesus, then we must not turn evil for evil, but we pray to God and uphold the Christian ethic. This isn't popular here because some people say, well, why would I turn another cheek when you hit me in the other one? Mm. This isn't popular because some people say, well, I know some brothers and sisters who have recently died, so why would I uphold Jesus' way? Mm. Well, friends, you uphold Jesus' way. Why? Because God is sovereign. Mm. You uphold Jesus' way because God knows, God sees, and God cares. And if by chance you say, well, I don't know where the Christian ethic or moral is outlined, simply pick up your Bible and go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. The text tells us, for it is written, be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. <laughs> you see, holy meaning the standard that God has set forth, meaning that we strive every day to be what God wants us to be. But if that didn't do it for you, you go to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, and the text says, so I say you walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You better hear this today. When you walk by the spirit, it's not about what you want to do, but it's about what God wants to do in your life. And when God comes into your life and does what he wants to do, then guess what? We'll learn how to live in harmony with each other, even amidst life change. But my favorite comes out of Mark 12 verses 30 through 31, where the text tells us that you are as a believer to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second of this is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Friends, life will switch up on you. Life will throw you a curveball mixed with a change up and you won't even have a bat in your hand. But no matter, even when life throws the change up, God never changes. No matter when life uh, peaks its cruel head sometimes and changes up on us, God will not. No matter what type of change you're dealing with in your life, as believers in Jesus, you've got to learn how to maintain good morals. You've got to learn how to keep Christ near and do not fear. Oh, but if we go down to verses 18 through 22, our last principle of the day is simply this. You got to learn how to remain focused on the unwavering goodness of God. The encouragement that Peter offers these scattered believers is seen right here in the text, beginning at verse 18 of chapter three. Peter says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels authorities and power in submission to him my brother Peter 
He's reminding them like an alarm clock at 6.30 in the morning. He's reminding them about the gospel. He's saying, hey, even though you're scattered, even though you may be suffering, even though it could be painful, even though life has changed a bit, don't forget gospel 101. (laughs) That's what he's presenting in verses 18 through 22. Peter says, I totally understand the life changes of persecution that is occurring in the lives of these believers, but do not forget why Jesus is worshiped. He says, in essence, don't forget the sacrifice that Jesus made. Do not forget that life even changed up for Jesus. Peter tells them that God's through Jesus Christ's salvation that he has offered by his sacrifice, it is not limited. It's extended to everybody who will believe. That's hope, isn't it? And we're baptized into this hope. Not by by water, yeah, professing outwardly that Jesus is welcomed into the heart of every believer. Peter, in essence, he wants these believers to know that although life has changed, God still speaks. Peter wants these believers as well as all of us to know that even though life may be changing, Christ is triumphant. Peter wants us to know that the fight is fixed. Peter wants us to know that it will work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You may say, well, Josh, how can you be an African-American male and say that it's going to work for our good? Because all I see is black people dying. All I see is mothers crying. I can tell you that it will work out for our good because I have faith, which is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I have faith and understand that God is concerned about our here, but also concerned about our now and also concerned about our later. And when I think about that, I understand that God, if he doesn't work it out here on earth, I trust and believe that God will work it out when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all get to heaven. We'll sing and shout the victory. That's faith, isn't it? And I have that much faith to believe that the Lord can work on our behalf, even though life may change. Peter reminds us in case we forgot that God is good, even when life changes. Life changed up on my brother Noah if you hit the rewind button back in Genesis. And God gave him unique and specific instructions to build an ark and include inside that ark animals, his family, and himself. But you better know even though life changed, God walked with him and saved him. Life changed even for great Jesus as he came down 42 generations, left his heavenly seat to literally die for the sins of humanity. And guess what? We have hope and benefit from that sacrifice. But guess if you do not learn anything, if you didn't catch anything from Peter, Noah, nor Jesus, I want you to understand that trouble may come, pain may be experienced, but guess what? Focus on God's goodness. See, God's good even when I feel terrible. God's good even when I don't have the solution. God is good even when life changes. If we learn to focus on the goodness of God instead of the vastness of our problem, life changes would not shake us to our core. And so, friends, you learn to remain focused 
on God's goodness. Why? Because God's goodness does not fluctuate just because you and I may have a bad experience. God is good. And he promised to take care of his children. So don't worry. Trust God. See, God made these promises. And in the word of Charles Spurgeon, he said, if I take God at his word, the responsibility of fulfilling this promise does not lie with me, but with God who made the promise. God promised us he'll take care of us. And so when experiencing life changes, don't worry. But instead, I together take away repeats what you've already heard. Keep Christ near. Don't fear. When you experience life change, maintain good morals. Don't shed, don't put on evil. Shed evil for God's goodness. And lastly, remain focused on the goodness of God. And so, friends, I invite you now that if there's somebody watching right now and you do not know Jesus, I invite you to know him and invite him into your heart today. And it's real easy. You don't even have to walk down the aisle. You just repeat this prayer after me. You say, I admit that I need Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for all of my sins. And I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. If you have just prayed that prayer, I am, I want to hit a backflip right now for you because you've allowed Jesus to come into your heart and heaven is excited. You don't walk alone. But if by chance you know you are filled with worry about the changes going on in our society, I know it's crazy and chaotic. But if you want someone to pray for you, you go to speedo.org, spdl.org, email us, and we would love to pray for you. Whether you need prayer, whether you want more info about this loving community, just go to spdl.org, and we love to speak with you. Keep Christ near. Maintain good morals. Remain focused on God's goodness. And so I end our time together with a special prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine God, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are all born to eternal life. Don't worry. God is with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.